Hey, Deserved Listeners, this is part two in the audio podcast version of my reaction to the Atrioc Ethan Klein apology for the deep fake porn controversy on YouTube. If you want to see the visuals, you can watch all four parts on YouTube. On YouTube, I broke it up into four parts. For the audio podcast, it's broken up into two parts. In case you haven't seen the video version of this situation, I start off with Philip DeFranco, who is a news content provider. And so he's summarizing the situation. And then they show the clip in which Ethan Klein on the H3 podcast, along with his co-hosts, are laughing as QT Cinderella is crying and talking about being victimized by this deep fake porn. You can't really tell from the audio what's happening, but just know that uh, uh, the co-hosts and Ethan Klein are laughing hysterically and they're trying not to laugh. They're like putting their hands over their mouths and they're getting out of the camera because they're bursting out into laughter. And this is what Ethan Klein ultimately had to or you know, was prompted to apologize for. Let's get to it. Especially in the face of any time a woman speaks up about this, there, there's so much disgusting vomit that gets that's it's tossed around at them, which also brings us to the response that has gotten so much attention. And that is of Ethan Klein and his podcast, the H3 podcast, right, because Ethan and his team, they're watching through the video. They then proceed to play a version of the Christmas song over her talking. Ethan's trying to cover up a laugh. There are fits of laughter. OK, so we finally arrived at the actual thing that y'all wanted me to watch. So I think Ethan will be apologizing for this. They are watching Cutie Cinderella talking about what Atriarch did. Ethan and his compatriots are laughing because they played a song over her while she's crying and, and getting upset. And then there was a backlash against Ethan. It, Welcome to 2023, where you have deep faked pornography of famous internet people, YouTubers, Twitch people. You have a Twitch person who randomly looks at all of their open tabs and someone grabs a screen. It goes by so fast, but they manage to grab a screen capture. They identify. They did that. They out him. He apologizes. He didn't really apologize. He, he was sorrowful for the possible impact on his life and on his business, seemingly. That was all that he was quote-unquote apologizing for. I don't know, but that's what it seemed to me. Then you have Cutie Cinderella commenting. Then you have Ethan commenting on Cutie Cinderella. And then you have Phil DeFranco commenting on Ethan. And you have me commenting on Philip DeFranco and Ethan and the whole thing. And here we are in 2023. And, you know... If you would have described this to me even just a few years ago, I would have said that's absurd. Why would anyone care? But I live on YouTube now, <laughs> not only as a consumer, I watch YouTube a lot, but also as a content provider. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the world we live in. And I guess you can say it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's definitely a thing. There are people kind of like having their hands over their face. Why? What is going Something, on with you? I'm sorry, don't, don't mind me. <laughs> You guys so someone played a song, I, I didn't hear it, and then Ethan and others are trying to restrain laughter. They're laughing and they're covering their mouths because they're beginning to crack up. Yeah, it's disrespectful. They are crazy. <laughs> Why did you do that? <laughs> Zach, what the f***, bro? <laughs> Mm. 
when he has a shirt over his face, Ethan is trying to hide the fact that he's laughing. Is that it, it's a really disgusting, disturbing moment. And during this, he ends up kind of rolling off camera. And, and then when he comes back, he does say that he supports Cutie Cinderella also. What we just saw is Ethan bursting out in laughter and turning away, getting off of camera. I'm sorry about the, this. you know what, you guys, it's not funny and I'm very sorry about that. Zach's a fucking psychopath and played the chestnut song. And it just. <clears throat> and it's a problem in a number of levels. It's hurtful to this individual. It's hurtful to victims of this sort all around the world. He also has a lot of followers, people who look up to him, I think millions. And for him to do that is irresponsible. There's a lot of young people who look up to him and absolutely would emulate this and would say, oh, well, yeah, he thinks it's funny. And now he's apologizing because he knows he's going to get canceled by all the Karens of the world. So he really does think it's funny. And so I'm going to believe that it's okay to laugh at people who are in a situation where they're crying and upset about being victimized in this way. It's not that this is an isolation, right? This is not an isolated event. There are many, many people who through a variety of mechanisms, will victim blame, this being one of them, minimization, even literally ridiculing victims. But there are many mechanisms in our society that keep victims silent and shame them. So this is, you know, to, to do that is participating in that and bolstering that problem. So yeah, it's a, it's a huge problem. So he absolutely should apologize. And he is now, kind of, maybe his video, he'll get into actually the transgression. What I mean. We then see the team have some cross talk about whether or not the song was played intentionally or accidentally until Ethan fessed up and said that he actually sent a Discord telling Zach to play it. With him then uh, apologizing again. I was listening though, and I'll say this: I'm 100% support her. I'll even do I want to donate to the cause. All right, that's good, absolutely. But if this is all that you do, you just throw money at it. It's not really apologizing. It's buying your way out of an apology but maybe he will follow this up with an actual apology. We'll see. Backlash from pouring in with people saying things like, women's pain can never be taken seriously, can it? You're disgusting. Others calling them ridiculous, fucking heartless losers, saying this is the true reality of, quote, ally influencer men. And the other thing is, how do you possibly laugh in a situation like that? <laughs> What's going on inside of you? I mean, so that's the other possibility I'm sure a lot of people are contemplating is that he literally just doesn't care. Because if you care, then the possibility of laughter just isn't available to you. Or you might be, you might chuckle like, huh, well, anyway, it, 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 the fact that that was possible, that they would all giggle like that is, you know, that's concerning. Uh, we were covering the news that one of these Twitch streamers got caught uh, paying for a deep fake subscription for one of his for uh, and and featuring some of his colleagues on Twitch. We were covering that story, and then Cutie Cinderella put out a video of a very heartfelt, serious video about how deeply this kinds of things have affected her. And uh, during that video, I made the really unfortunate and stupid decision to play this uh stupid soundbite song of this guy singing chestnuts over an open fire 
Okay, so he's identified the wrong, but it's important to identify. So let's go through my elements, right? So number one is acknowledge and listen to my deep dives on apologies to get the full explanation here. I actually have 11 components of an effective apology, but often the, the first seven are the main ones, right? So number one is acknowledge its transgression. That's important because a lot of apologies don't include that. So you need to establish the wrong that you did. So uh, now you need to fully describe the, the transgression. You, you can't just say what he just said. Like if I were the one of his fans that he's apologizing to, or if I was Cutie Cinderella or the various other victims along these lines who feel harmed by what he did, belittled, minimized, victim blamed, I guess to some extent, or at least victim shamed, victim silenced by his jokes. If I were one of those individuals, then I would want him to fully describe the transgression, not just that he played the song or he asked someone to play the song and then he was laughing. The full harm that it that it caused, the participation in the victim shaming and victim silencing. So that's number one is acknowledging the transgression, which he kind of did, and maybe he'll get more into it later. Number two is acknowledging the harm. So not only do you acknowledge your behavior that was the bad thing, but also the effect it had on the other individuals. Now, it's possible that you would have to ask the transgressed upon individuals the harm that it caused. You might be able to imagine the harm that it caused, but you want to ask them. And of course, most of the time we're apologizing to people that we know. We're not apologizing to random people on the internet or people we don't know. So you can ask the person, your partner, your family member, your coworker. Okay, I I imagine that my transgression caused this harm to you, but I don't know. Could you tell me how I harmed you exactly? What emotions did it cause you? And this is why the apology system needs to all be robust. It's not just you apologizing because the transgressed upon individual has to have enough self-awareness that they can identify how you harmed them. Not everyone has that self-awareness. I would venture to say most people don't, honestly, or at least initially, it'll take them some time to figure that out. But anyway, so he acknowledged the transgression. Let's see if he can acknowledge the harm and, and provide the other elements of an effective apology. It was very, uh, and I was, well, the, the problem was then I started laughing uh, while her heartfelt, um, really serious apology was going on. And clearly you can imagine that the dichotomy of those two things was not good. Okay, so he's elaborating on the transgression itself. He hasn't talked about the harm yet, but he's he's saying not only did I request this song get played, this Christmas song, but then I laughed. So that's the problem. It was not good because, one, I actually really respect Cutie. I think uh, she's a really talented and great creator. I think that... Um, <clears throat> the pain she's experiencing is 100% valid. Okay, great. So <laughs> I don't know why I'm just so elated to hear that, but I guess it's because with Atriox's apology, in quotes, we never really heard that or it was barely mentioned, might not have been mentioned at all. Certainly wasn't emphasized. And I was waiting for, I always hope that people will deliver a good apology. I want to be clear. Like when I'm reacting to these things, I'm always hoping that people will manage to be healthy, at least for the most part. So when I don't see that, it's disappointing. It's, it's demoralizing on some level because not only is it just harmful to the people involved that I'm not a part of, but it just is demoralizing because you're just like, come on, people. People like, 
And then I'm demoralized from our society because, of course, people don't know how to apologize because we don't even talk about this in our society. It's not necessarily talked about in the home with your parents. It's not talked about at schools. It might be, but often it isn't. certainly isn't enough in my book. Yeah, it's just demoralizing. These fundamental human experiences that could solve so many problems, not only in your marriage, but in your co-worker relationships, your friendships, your online behavior, between nations, between politicians, between different political parties. Apologies could heal everything in my book. And listen to all my deep dives on that for more information. But, but so it's so great. Ethan says, let's rewind it. This is great. I mean, it's the bare minimum, but it's great. Um, <clears throat> the pain she's experiencing is 100% valid. The pain she's experiencing is 100% valid. Just right there. That sums it up a lot. Now, if I were cutie Cinderella, I would say, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Can you really, you know, you say in the words, but can you really prove to me that you understand the pain? Or let me tell you the pain, and you can actually absorb the pain that, I, that I'm going through. You can fully understand it. But the fact that he said that, just like, boom, great. That's extending yourself into the other person's shoes, which Atriarch did not demonstrate. And that's the part that kind of sucks for me the most is that uh, someone who I actually really want to support may have felt uh, worse on an already difficult situation because of my careless and uh, very, very inappropriate and gross and stupid behavior, right? Yeah, that's great. It's, it's all... Now, I'm not cutie Cinderella, of course, but if I were, this would be encouraging. Because when someone transgresses upon me, a, a huge, again, it's usually in our relationships that we see people in person, right? Our partners, our family members. For me, this is personally, and I imagine this is true for a lot of people, if not everyone, I don't know, but uh, I can just speak for myself. When people are apologizing to me, what I really want is to know that the other person cares and knows the harm that they caused, even if it's just a, a small harm, like they forgot to do something that I asked them to do or something, you know, it's like not that big of a deal. But when I know that they feel and understand the pain that I went through because of their behavior, it feels great to have that acknowledged. And also, more importantly to me, is they will utilize that knowledge in future behaviors because they now understand, oh... I probably could have predicted that that would have hurt your feelings, but now I really know that it hurts your feelings. And I'm going to remember that the next time that I come to a situation where I might be motivated to do that or something along those lines, I will think twice before doing that because I don't want to harm you again in this way. That's mainly what I'm concerned about because the harm has already happened. I'm concerned about you harming me again in the future. So if you're cutie Cinderella, you're probably wondering, are you going to do this often to me and other people like me? Can I trust you? Can I trust the internet? Can I trust men? Can I trust the world in seeing how this is wrong and how I've been victimized without ridiculing and minimizing me? Um, and, you know, it's not the first time I've done it. That's what's weird. Like, I don't know why. Like, obviously, there's something a little bit off about me, right? This is fantastic. What a great apology. <laughs> Again, it's the bare minimum. In my world, this is the bare minimum. In my office with my clients, this is the bare minimum, but I never see this kind of apology, <laughs> the public apologies that I observe and react to on this channel. So often I will say, 
a, an important element in an apology, not all the time because it doesn't always apply, but it often does, is the transgressor, the person who did the wrong thing, for that individual to think about what is it about them in general that caused them to commit the transgression to begin with. Because often it's not just a random mistake that happened, like you tripped and fell down or something and dropped someone's vase on the ground and broke it. It's usually something about your personality, something about the way that you think, something about your patterns, something about the blind spots that you don't pay attention to or something. You were motivated by something and you overlooked or your motivation to do this other thing eclipsed your sight of someone else's feelings. And so you just forged ahead. And usually transgressions, particularly of this sort, they're not in isolation. We have we have committed that transgression repeatedly. And a big part of fully apologizing is recognizing that. Uh, often that's, in fact, this might be the first time I've ever seen this statement on any of the things that I've watched. The thousands of hours that I have watched, I've never seen this element, but I've, and I'll often role play it. I'll be like, it'd be good if you would say this. But in my head, I'm like, but I'm probably never going to see it. We just saw it. Um, and you know, it's not the first time I've done it. That's what's weird. Like, I don't know why. Like, obviously, there's something a little bit off about me, right? Because I always find myself in these situations where I am doing and saying impulsive things that uh, I regret, right? You saw me reacting to Andrew Callahan recently, and he was basically saying that he needed things to learn. Like, he was taught certain toxic masculine things about making sure he always goes home with a woman. And if he doesn't, there's something wrong with him. And that was good that he identified that. But the way that it looked, that it, it looked like it was a pattern of his behavior where he would coerce and pester and stalk women over several years. He's only 25, but it sounded, at least the allegations, that his behavior spanned into his teenage years. So it could be as long as 10 years of a pattern of several different victims that he victimized. And so one way that he could have apologized that would have been at least a little bit more satisfying to me is if he said, you know what? I have a pattern of doing this. This is not the first time I've been accused of this. There's something wrong with the way that I am or the way the assumptions I have or something. I don't know. And I can't blame it on society because all men have been subjected to society and most men don't do what I do. So, you know, something's something's different about me. I, I don't, I, it feels okay for, I don't know. That's the beginning of, a, of an exploration that will hopefully bear fruit where the individual can really explore that, heal from it or change that so that they don't commit the transgression in the future. But we almost never hear that, but we're hearing it with Ethan and he's saying, he is impulsive. Now, there's a chance that he's just blaming it on impulsiveness in general. He's just like, yeah, I'm kind of an impulsive person. Okay, but that's impulsive in a particular direction, right? Impulsivity is one thing, but impulsivity that results in frequent harm of other people, that's, that's a whole other thing. Now, if you are generally impulsive, then you raise the risk of harming other people. But I would imagine that his impulsivity is sometimes along the lines of disregarding other people's feelings while being impulsive. Now, some could argue, well, the definition of impulsive is you're not thinking before you act. And yeah, but hopefully he can be a little bit more specific because I'm, I, I don't know, but I would guess that uh, someone in his position who is trying to make something entertaining 
and that's his job, is to make content that's entertaining or interesting or something. And they're watching a very heavy video of a woman talking about being victimized, and she's crying, and she's upset. I don't know, but I would take a guess that he is successful in being able to shift gears at times to keep the podcast or YouTube channel watchable. And one of the ways that he does that is through impulsive jokes or impulsive little things. And so he I don't know, but I'm guessing that he was impulsive, but the impulse that he had was to try to pull the attention away from the heaviness of it and towards something that was lighter, something that was funny. And then he acted on that and then regretted it soon after that, which we saw, which is another good sign that it didn't take him a day of people hating him and going, oh, I better apologize the way Atrioc did. It was right away. He was like, oh, no, I shouldn't. We shouldn't have done. In fact, right in the middle of it, he seemed like he realized this this was wrong, that that's what he was doing. It doesn't make it right, but it does lend itself towards more sympathetic reactions from the public and perhaps from cutie Cinderella. I don't know. And oftentimes, I would even go so far as to say that um, doesn't really represent how I feel. I mean, obviously, I respect and take her very seriously. I just... Uh... Well, not obviously. <laughs> That's the whole point. It's obvious you don't take her seriously. Why in the world would you have an impulse to place now maybe he has a legitimate impulsivity disorder some people do i treat people with disorders like this and yeah it's an issue and they will you know, with for example with adhd you will have children that will be impulsive because of their issue their ability to regulate their behavior and predict outcome of behavior is compromised by a difference in their brain and so they will act impulsively and they will get in trouble a lot and might even harm other people around them. In kindergarten, for example, they have an impulse to hit. They have an impulse to run out the door. They have an impulse to scream. They have an impulse to do things that are outside of the rules in, in the classroom. And they will end up being labeled as a bad kid, as there's something wrong with them, like they're choosing to do those sorts of things when it's a difference in their brain that is causing them to have a really hard time regulating their behavior and their emotions. So we don't blame those children for having this difference and for exhibiting behavior from that difference. So do we blame Ethan for being impulsive in that way? Does he have a legitimate disorder? I don't know. There's a lot of questions there. Now, I will say that we all do bad things. We all do wrong things. We all transgress. We all harm other people to some degree. We will do that. The key is how do we react and how fast do we react? Do we react quickly to recognize and to apologize? And do we fully apologize? And I would say that Ethan seems to be doing that. Now, I'm not cutie Cinderella. I can't say if this apology is effective, but this is, he's doing pretty well so far. I, I would so far give him in the B to A range, maybe even an A. Okay, let's take a break. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a new year, so of course it's time for New Year's resolutions. But often, those are just manifestations of internalized harmful voices, voices that tell us we're not good enough. So instead of making a resolution to change something, let's recognize that we are already good enough. Now, most people think of therapy as a place for us to work on our problems. 
But there are several schools of thought within the field of psychotherapy that adamantly reject that paradigm, like narrative therapy and solution-focused. Instead, these clinicians help us focus on what we're already doing well. And by helping us do that, data shows that we often will gravitate towards more beneficial patterns. Well, one place you can find such therapists is on BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, it's definitely worth giving a try. So, celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Kirk today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Kirk. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Was really dumb and rude and careless in that moment. But yeah, it's something that happens a lot, as some of you guys probably know who follow me or are aware of me. And, um, yeah, I don't know why, you know. And I want to point out that there has, it's, we're almost halfway through his apology video. And that's how it's labeled. It's called Apology to Cutie Cinderella. It's also, so it's, the full title is What is Wrong With Me? Apology to Cutie Cinderella on the Ethan Klein YouTube channel. This is a ancillary YouTube channel to his H3 podcast, I believe. But anyway, so he has yet to say anything, in my view, that is overtly self-preservation-wise, right? With Atrioc, it seemed to me like his entire apology video was trying to exhibit that he doesn't want to lose his audience. That's the way it seemed. Or that he was sorry that he was caught. That's the way it seemed. He seemed legit sorry. He's not. He didn't come across like he was psychopathic or something, like he didn't care. But it seemed to be very much from the experience that he was going through, whereas Ethan has yet to do that. He's yet to say something like, I've been suffering, uh, this is all about me, and I hope people understand that I'm not normally like that. I mean, Ethan's doing the opposite of what Atrioc is doing. Ethan's like, yeah, I'm like this. <laughs> This is a pattern. This is something that I do. I've, try, I've tried to be mindful. I think I've made progress in some areas and in some areas not. I've tried to be mindful of, uh, these ki- of, of preventing these kinds of things from not happening. So that's another really great aspect of an apology if you can legitimately claim that you recognize that this is an ongoing pattern of yours, uh, an impulse, a motivation that you have that's regrettable, a blind spot or something. And 
you've also tried to stop yourself from doing it. You tried to work on it. You've been successful maybe in some areas, but not entirely. Often when we're apologizing, we're apologizing to people close to us. And in all likelihood, whatever transgression you have committed on someone close to you, you have committed several times previous to them, or at least to other people in general, to everyone you're in, you interact with. So it's important to explore that, recognize it, state it. This is a pattern of mine. And also, you should have been working on it, right? From the very first moment you recognized that this was a pattern, which hopefully was a long time ago, you set out to try to change it. And that is important. That's justice. Because it's normal to transgress. It's normal to have blind spots. It's normal to have personality issues. But if you don't address them, if you don't take the time to identify that personality issue in yourself and you also don't spend the time to try to change it or address it or account for it, then that's on you, right? That's like the saying, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Meaning if I commit a transgression one time, then it's like, wow, that was weird. But if I do it again, then I have to start raising a question as to, is this a pattern, which it probably is, and I have to account for it because if I don't, I'm going to do it again in all likelihood because my personality transgresses time and space. I almost never see that in these kinds of apology videos. Uh, maybe never. I, I'm, I can't remember any time I've ever heard it when we look at Donald Trump's apology, Bill Clinton's apology, Chris Brown's apology, you know, all these people. <laughs> Uh, I'm often figuring that the transgression that they committed was part of a pattern and they should know that and they should be addressing it. He is doing that. Ethan is doing it. He's like, this is a pattern and I've been addressing it, which is great. Now, it doesn't eliminate the transgression, but if I were someone that he transgressed upon, if I were QD Cinderella, this would be so much more encouraging to hear. It's like, okay, well, you're trying your best. Now, if Ethan says, I've just been trying to not do it, I've just been trying to restrain myself. That's one thing. But if Ethan said, I've been going to therapy, I've been exploring it, I've been asking people around me, what's you know, what's going on? How come I do this? I've been trying to look into my childhood. I've been trying to look into methods of managing my impulse issues. If I heard all that, if I were Cutie Cinderella, I'd be like, okay, well, it doesn't change the transgression, but it does show that you see what's happening. You recognize this wasn't just a one-off thing. This is something that you do in general. You've been trying to fix it. No one succeeds fully in those areas. Any trans, any pattern of transgression that we have as human beings is very difficult to change if, if ever we can change it because it's often a part of our personality. It's often part of our relational traumas. Not that we can't change, but to 100% eliminate a pattern in our life is, take it from me as a therapist, is, is very hard. When I first became a therapist, I thought that was possible. But, you know, working with people, it's often a matter of healing for the most part from the relational traumas that lead to that behavior and accounting for most of the transgressions and the motivations and the behaviors, but never entirely. And then you manage it, right? And then you quickly recognize it and apologize to the individual. Obviously, the fact that I'm doing a live show makes everything like if it was, I mean, listen, if it was recorded, I've I would obviously erase it. Right. That'd be obvious. And if I could take it back, I would. Um, but I can't do that, obviously. Right. So I don't know, man. I don't know what what it is. I don't know why I do these things. And um 
it's quite it's quite unfortunate. And I understand a lot of people were 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 offended or thought it was tasteless, and I totally get that, you know. And most of all, though, I apologize. After it happened, I immediately went to Twitter and apologized to Cutie. She doesn't have to accept my apology. I don't know if she accepts my apology. Um, but I did apologize to her. Hopefully, Cutie Cinderella received that, and so he's saying I immediately apologize. I don't know if she accepts my apology or not. That's up to her. It's great language along those lines. We don't often hear that from public apologies. A lot of the public apologies is just, they're just saying, hey, I'm sorry, let's move on. But really, you need again, you need to identify the transgression, which means you need to identify the person you transgressed upon. <laughs> it's not just you apologizing to the world. You transgressed upon a, a single individual, Cutie Cinderella, and you need to identify the harm, which he has done for the most part as a topic sentence. If I were Cutie Cinderella, I would want to, a little bit more elaboration about the harm that he caused me. But, you know, it's up to Cutie Cinderella to dictate for herself. And maybe he's capable of that, but he just hasn't gone into it. And uh, I also apologize to Ludwig, even though, it didn't, you know what I mean? I, I felt like apologizing to both of them because I respect them both, you know what I mean? And, it, and I feel bad that I look like such a psycho, a mean-spirited psycho is what I looked like. A lot of people are trying to give me an A lot of people, my wife included, was saying, is this a Tourette's thing? I have Tourette's syndrome. And I don't think it is, right? Like, uh, that feels like a cop-out. Good for him here, too. He has the potential ability to sneak out of responsibility by blaming it on his Tourette's, and he's choosing not to do that. He's saying, I don't think it's really a part of that. I, it might be related, kind of. And I would say that it's possible that it's sort of, kind of, impulsivity can be a part of Tourette's or a tic disorder. Normal as possible. And for the most part, I do find that that strategy worked. But I look up, you know, and one of the top results for symptoms of behavior is compulsive behavior, impulsivity. You know what I mean? Lack of restraint. And these are some of the top things that are... Okay, so he has been talking for a bit about how as he was processing what had happened with Cutie Cinderella, with people, including talking with his wife, Ethan was being told by people, it's like, well, isn't this just a symptom of your Tourette's that you have a hard time controlling your impulses? And at first, Ethan, I think, kudos to him for doing this. He says, ah, it seems kind of like a cop-out. I don't want to just claim that somehow this behavior, this pattern that I've had is somehow a disorder, like I'm not to blame for it. But then he looks up some of the symptoms and he finds that impulsivity is a symptom of Tourette's and the lack of behavioral controls, that kind of thing. And so it's complicated. What I can tell you is that the research does show there could be a fair amount of people with Tourette's with undiagnosed ADHD as well. Because if you had ADHD, it would actually make it d difficult to control not only your attention, but also your impulse control. That's much more, if I heard that someone had trouble along the lines of what Ethan is describing, I would first go down a road of ADHD exploration rather than going down a road of Tourette's. Because ADHD is, it's just classic ADHD. You're sitting there in a chair and you're on a podcast and you're trying to host and there's a lot of different distractions and you're all paying attention to a woman crying, a victim talking about her victimization. There's a lot of 
thoughts that enter his brain, and he's like, oh, let's make a joke. And without contemplating the consequences of that, which is just classic result of having ADHD, that, that is one of the main features of ADHD is just like impulse comes into their mind and the executive function doesn't have the time or the ability to, in that moment, run through all the calculations of, okay, if I do this, then this will happen, then that will happen, then that will happen, and then this will be bad. And so I need to suppress that impulse. And so let me utilize my brain to suppress that. One's executive function is involved in all that. And if you have a diminished capacity for your executive function, then then you're going to have a hard time resisting that impulse, right? And then you just act and then you're like, oh my God, what did I just do? Now I'm in trouble. So it's just a classic ADHD thing. And when you understand that as the individual and people understand it around you, you know, you can manage it. It doesn't eliminate the possibility, but it does change the perspective, right? Because when someone does something that's hurtful, you imagine if that they did think about the consequences and did it anyway. But with people with ADHD, they might not have the ability to do that in that moment. It's complicated. But so if I heard someone like Ethan talking about this pattern of impulsivity that harms other people and, and he's tried to change it and it, he hasn't been successful, I would imagine ADHD. But he's going down a Tourette's road. Is it also possible to conceptualize it with un, uh, underneath the umbrella of Tourette's? That's stretching it a little bit. Because usually when we're talking about impulse control, we're talking about the impulse to make a movement or to say a phrase. It's it's a very brief moment of impulse control. What he did was, and what he's, I think, describing as a pattern is he will think, wouldn't it be funny if we did this and it'll hurt other people's feelings, you know? And there were several things that he did. You could argue, apart from the very beginning of the impulse control issue, meaning that he somehow communicated with a fellow named Zach, his colleague, to play this Christmas song. So you could argue that that was impulsive. But then the laughter afterwards, it would seem to go on for a long time. It's not exactly impulse control, right? It's this lack of empathy for the individual that cutie Cinderella, who's talking about being victimized, right? So it's it's something, I think, different. Now, could his Tourette's could, could this behavior be conceptualized within his Tourette's or an undiagnosed ADHD or an undiagnosed impulsivity issue? Yeah, it, it, it's possible. But if I were his clinician, which of course I'm not, I would say, okay, well, let's let's conceptualize it however we want, really. We can go down that road. We can say, well, it could be Tourette's, could be ADHD, could be something else. All right, what do we do about it? How do we change it? How do we account for it? Well, we make sure that we're properly treating whatever the diagnosis is, medication, this kind of thing. But really, it's a lot of impulse control cognitive skills, the ability to stop and think. There's a lot of different techniques that I will work, and other people like me in my field will work with people with, for example, ADHD and even Tourette's. There's a lot of techniques to manage your impulse, to try to remember the consequences, to think about the consequences a little bit longer. Because for people without this disorder, they will immediately feel the consequences, right? For someone that doesn't have this difference, they have the impulse to play the Christmas song and to make a joke. And they say, oh, that would be bad, not only for this individual, but for me, for all of us. This will be bad for the podcast if I act on this impulse. So let's not do that. Well, if you have a disorder, it might be such that you don't have that ability to 
to check in with the consequences. So what do you do? Do you just give up? No. What you do is you really try to get into a routine, a habit of forcing yourself to consider consequences, even though it's not naturally occurring to you, right? For me, for example, if I were in his shoes and I didn't impulsively that Christmas song, I would immediately go, oh, it would just, it would feel bad to me to see me. It's, oh my God, no, that would be horrible, right? So people with ADHD, they don't necessarily have, it's not a matter of empathy. It's a matter of the impulse enters, emerges within the consciousness or the brain. With me, there's a stop along the way in my brain where it says, what are the consequences? What will happen if we actually act on this impulse? And then I immediately conclude, ooh, that would be bad. And then I don't have to try to suppress it. There's a whole system that suppresses the behavior on its own. I don't have to really try that hard, right? It's just like me, like, oh my God, I can feel the future pain of acting out on the impulse. That would be horrible. Ugh. People with ADHD, there is no stop. It just goes straight to motivation. The impulse happens and it immediately just goes, okay, let's do it. Now with Tourette's, it's similar, but different. And it's much more brief. Typically when we're talking about Tourette's, we're talking about a brief moment, a brief movement, a brief cough, a brief burst of words or something. We're not talking about, let me talk to this other person and tell them to do this. It's, it's not typically what we're talking about, but you know, one could conceptualize it that way. And if that helps him to go down a road, it's all about outcomes. It's, it's about what helps. Does it matter if we accurately identify, which we wouldn't be able to anyway, because we can't look, we can't open his brain and say, oh, he has this issue. It's a, it's a matter of cobbling together symptoms and self-report and different ideas, research, like, well, it kind of looks like this. And so it matters what the outcome is. It doesn't matter what the label is. So if he actually sets out to not harm other people in the future and to reduce his impulsive behavior by engaging with maybe self-help or a clinician who specializes in this that really works on habits of impulse control, then it doesn't really matter what label we put to it, right? Because if it's habits of impulse control that address his supposed ADHD, then great. Or his Tourette's, part of his Tourette's, then fine. Or something else. Maybe he's just generally impulsive. It doesn't necessarily matter what we label it. It matters what the outcome is and what will determine the outcome is the pathway of treatment and change. All right, let's take a break. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a new year, so of course it's time for New Year's resolutions. But often, those are just manifestations of internalized harmful voices, voices that tell us we're not good enough. So instead of making a resolution to change something, let's recognize that we are already good enough. Now, most people think of therapy as a place for us to work on our problems. But there are several schools of thought within the field of psychotherapy that adamantly reject that paradigm, like narrative therapy and solution-focused. Instead, these clinicians help us focus on what we're already doing well. And by helping us do that, data shows that we often will gravitate towards more beneficial patterns. Well, one place you can find such therapists is on BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, it's definitely worth giving a try. So, celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Kirk today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Kirk. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Being uh, listed. So, I think it's a bit of a cop-out. I don't think that... I think I have control over these things. I feel I do. Right. That that would be my suspicion. He's a very successful content provider, one of the most successful, as far as I can tell. So to have that much success, you have to have an ability to control your behavior in a variety of ways. Now, maybe people that consume his content will point out, no, no, he's really impulsive and random and spontaneous. Okay, but true inability to manage your impulses and your behaviors would result in a, and I've treated people like this, a very, very chaotic life that is in shambles. When you truly have difficulty managing your impulses in general, it is very hard to manage anything in life. Now, maybe he does have that issue and other people account for it. And I don't know. But I would suspect that there's another conceptualization out there that will feel more accurate to him. Knowing what I know, I would explore with him his need to make things light, to make things funny, to distract. It's possible that he grew up in a family where that was his role, that parents would be fighting or something would, someone was depressed or someone was going through a loss and he was elected and he volunteered in the family, this is all subconscious by the way, to make jokes, to distract, to give people something else to pay attention to. And so in the midst of really sitting with cutie Cinderella because they're all watching this video on the podcast and she's experiencing a lot of distress and they're talking about something that's really difficult and painful, that impulse could have kicked in uh, an old tape that he has from his childhood where it's like, oh, it's my job to make a joke and to distract and because that's what everyone depends on me for is to distract us away from this pain. That would be one conceptualization. And there are others. I'm guessing that in all likelihood, there's something along those lines that would be helpful to him. And maybe, you know, a bit of Tourette's and maybe a dash of ADHD is involved in that. But the way he describes this pattern, it sounds more like something that emerged out of family trauma, childhood trauma, relational trauma than necessarily some difference in his brain. But I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with it. Uh, I don't know. Because I'm not really even sure how to describe it. And obviously, that doesn't absolve me of any blame, right? Like, I feel it's a cop-out. But maybe, I don't know how to describe I don't even know how to explain it. But I am very sorry to um, QD. And uh, I do feel horrible. And I, you know, support her 100%. And trying to get that stuff removed, the deep fake stuff. And, you know. Even the great Ethan Klein has a dog that barks in the middle of his content creation, just like me. <laughs> Suddenly this dog is barking. I offered that I, I have I obviously been through a lot of legal stuff and I have great litigators who work on just this type of thing. She mentioned she wanted to sue them in her video and I, I told her and I want her to know that you know if she needs resources I would love to donate even if if she's open to that to fund this kind of thing I strongly believe that this whole deep fake thing is like s super insane 
it might be legal because uh, there's no laws on the book. I don't know the legality of it. It hasn't really been tested in court that I'm aware. All right, so let's go over all the the first seven of my 11 components of an apology, which are usually the at the core of it. Acknowledge the transgression. I'm not cutie Cinderella, but I think he did that. Acknowledging the harm. I think he did that. He, he had a good topic sentence. He could have elaborated. Taking responsibility. Yes, he's not blaming anyone else. He even People are even giving him the opportunity to shirk his responsibility by saying, no, it's my disorder, right? And he's like, nope, I, I'm not going to do that. I, this is my fault. There's something about me that causes me to do this frequently, and I, I don't think I can blame it on some disorder. Now, could he legitimately, quote-unquote, attribute this to a disorder? Yeah, I'm not saying that that's wrong or deplorable or something, but the issue of him taking responsibility, I think, has been met. Number four is sincerely express remorse. I think he's done that. Again, I'm not cutie Cinderella, but I, I would say that he did that. Number five, explain the cause without making excuses. Yeah, I would say he did that in a way that I almost never see, if maybe I've never seen before. Now, he's not identifying the cause, as he will probably figure out later down the line, but he is saying, I have an issue. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's something. It's something about me so that he's pointing at something. He doesn't know what it is yet, but he's like, that's the cause. The cause is me. There's a personality difference or something about me that causes me to do this. And this was an example of that. I'm not making an excuse, but that's what it is. And so that's met in my book. Number six is provide a plan to address the cause. He has not done that. You could argue that he's implied it, that he does plan on working on it, but a good plan would be I'm going to consult with a specialist. Now maybe he is in therapy and he is doing it, but he you know he could have mentioned that. And then seven is to offer remedy, which he is doing. He's saying I want to offer remedy by providing my resources, by providing money to help you. I also want to signal amp your cause by talking more about this. So he is offering remedy. So aside from overtly providing a plan to address the cause, but you could argue that he kind of implied it, he has met, shall we say, six and a half out of seven, which I don't know if I've ever said in any of these videos. So I, I got to give him an A plus, right? Now, Everything depends on Cutie Cinderella's reaction to this, but in terms of a public apology, this is A+. I think it's a noble and good cause for her to do that. And uh, it could actually make a difference if, if she would were able to get like some kind of law about doing, doing deep fakes about, of real people like that. So I just want to apologize to everybody, and especially to Cutie, who I respect and actually think very highly of. And uh, I'm very sorry, guys. And I will we'll continue to try to do better and be more mindful uh, going forward. Okay, so that's the end of his apology. I think there's a follow-up though, so let's go to that. Like I didn't instantly forgive him. I literally said, why would you do that to me? It's really fucked up of you. But I do believe he's sorry. I think he shouldn't have done that. I think he knows he shouldn't have done that. Okay, so Cutie Cinderella is saying that she believes that Ethan is sorry. She, I don't, she didn't say she, at least the clip that Philip DeFranco played, she didn't say she necessarily accepts his apology or forgives him. All right, well, 
that was a very interesting rabbit hole I went down. I thought I was just going to make a short little video, but as always, there's a lot of detail and a lot to say. So I hope you all appreciated that. And everyone out there, please take care of yourself because you deserve it. You really, really do. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.